welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. How are you? Are you alright? Can we proceed? I think I'm alright, yes. Uh, what can I tell you? I mean, the weather is, is grim uh, here in Glasgow. The lockdown has been extended for another month. Uh, but I'm alright, yeah, I'm okay. Um, I subscribe to The New Yorker, I don't know if I told you, which I'm really enjoying. Apart from just... It's a nice thing. I mean, Mondays are a bit rubbish, aren't they? So, and it comes out on a Monday. And even with the fact that it comes out on a Monday in New York, it drops on my doormat on a Monday, which is cool. Um, so that's like a nice wee joy. Like, it's consistent and it appears and it's like, oh, what's the cover going to look like? And then obviously the writing, the writing second to none, the stuff that they put in there. Um, all different stuff and loads of recommendations for cool films to watch and just gives you, you know, things that you might not, I wouldn't maybe normally find on streaming services and stuff like that. So I've been enjoying that and it's been, um, I'm reading sort of shorter form stuff, which is cool. Um, and that's a nice thing. That's a wee brightener for the week. I mean, you kind of, it's like the small things, isn't it? You kind of have to, you know, find little points in the week that, you know, keep you going. So that's one thing. Uh, I've been trying to walk every day. I've had this idea that I'd like to walk every street in the area that I live in. So what I've tried to do, I mean, this is probably going to sound bonkers to you, but, um, and I don't know why I want to do it. I suppose what it is, is we try and have some level of control over our circumstances, don't we? So what I'm doing is I'm creating a project for myself while I'm walking. Because if I walk and I'm walking to somewhere, I find it easier than just going for a walk. Um, so I thought, well, if I'm just going for a walk around the area, what if I try to sort of cover all the ground in the area so i start going i start going on uh, google maps and i'm looking up you know trying to find out where actually are the boundaries of this area um and then zooming into sections and going okay so like that and write down all the streets and that and then put them in alphabetical order um, i think i've got like 160 streets noted down and i'm not finished yet and then once i've got them noted down the idea would be to tick them off as i walk the full length of each of them some of them of course are tiny some of them are little crescents some of them are big long roads um that go right through the middle of the area so <clears throat> i'll let you know how i got on with that if i keep it up it's just trying to in a way it's inventing ways to uh, to give meaning, isn't it? You know, we're looking for meaning. And in, in any small way that you can, you try and find meaning in your life. Um, so that's one little project. Uh, of course, another project is this podcast, and I'm happy to be back talking to you. Uh, my guest this week is Imogen Sterling, who I've never met, but we talked about poetry uh, and literature, and uh, she's a poet and a performer of all different kinds. And I always like, you'll have noticed if you listen to the show that when I talk to someone from a discipline that isn't, uh, that I'm not really involved in, um, or a skill set, or whatever you would like to call it, um, what I like to do is I like to try and get a sense of what's a day in the life of a person who does this thing. Because I know what a day in the life of an actor and a musician is. Um, what's the day in the life of a, of a poet or a performance poet? And I've had performance poets on before, but of course everything's different. Um, so you'll hear me doing that with Imogen, trying to sort of pin that down a wee bit if that's possible. And also to get an idea of if we want to um, research or get involved in some performance poetry or, or learn a bit more about it and see and hear some, what should we do? So I've asked Imogen to give us some little tips on where's a good place to start, you know? Um, and she really did that in, in good form. Um, lots of really good uh, tips which have been useful to me and I'm sure will be useful to you if you're interested in finding out more. Um, some names, you know, people to, to listen to and look for. Um, and as I say in the interview, that will lead you, you know, down different roads and things like that. So that was great. Um, and just cool to talk to someone who's also doing a, a writer in residence role at the moment with Paisley Book Festival. So we find out a wee bit about what, what does that actually entail? Um, because of course I always thought a writer in residence was like someone that was put in a garret somewhere and had to write while they were in residence and it's obviously it's a bit more subtle than that and there's a bit more involved um a lot of community engagement and, and working with groups as well uh, so yeah Imogen tells us a bit about that as well which is great and I always want to know when people study literature what what happens what do you do do you read all day because I'm kind of fascinated by that I think if I if I had to like if I had deadlines I would read all day but as it happens, I drift away from books because I'm like, oh, I'll do something else. Um, but when I do get stuck into one, I really enjoy it. Um, 
So I can only imagine if I had some deadline saying, you've got to read this book by tomorrow. You know, I would just do it. I've done it before. I, I was doing, I remember doing a, a development of a, I think a thing called Playing With Books at the Lyceum to do with the, the Edinburgh Book Festival. And for whatever reason, I didn't have long to prepare for it. I was in a show at the Fringe, that's what was happening. And then I had a couple of days to read this book. And I just, I just went into it and just every spare minute, you know, that way you're kind of like in the dressing room, to read half a page and then staying up late at night reading it. Um, and I, I, I might not, I might not even have finished it if I'd just been reading it, um, you know, off my own bat. But that's an interesting one by off my own bat. Everyone says bat and I think it's bat and I'm going to Google it right now because I heard somewhere that it was bat because it was a cricket expression. If you do something off your own bat, you don't require assistance. You, If you use the incorrect phrase off your own back, you definitely need help. No, that's not, absolutely not. The Macquarie Dictionary, this is an Australian post, defines off one's own bat as meaning independently without prompting or assistance. There you go. If I'd been reading that book off my own bat, then um, I might have finished it, I might not have. Uh, I don't know whether it w- I wouldn't have finished it as quickly. So, you know... Th- I guess what I'm saying is deadlines really work for me, and it's something we do talk about on the show quite often. Um, I'm sort of rambling, but I just wanted to I just wanted to chat to you, you know. Um, and I hope you're well, and I hope that you and yours are safe. Um, you know, it's a it's a difficult time. I mean, it goes without saying that it's a difficult time, but I think um, as we draw towards the kind of what we hope is the finish line or the last lap or something, um, it's almost harder or more emotional isn't it and and people are dying and there's no there's just no way of getting around that or other way of saying it um i'm just really aware of that this weather a lot of people we've lost i mean andy gray just the other day um and he wasn't an old man i mean he was 61 and i'm, I'm so sad for everybody that knew him and worked with him and especially um his daughter claire who i know a little bit my heart just goes out to people and um i do feel i've been quite lucky um, through this thing, I've I've not got sick, and my parents have remained well. And yeah, I just I don't know. I guess I'm just saying, um, I'm I'm aware of the amount of of pain and suffering that's going on. I'm not um, blind to it, and I suppose if anything, you know, we we all try and make our little contribution, don't we? And for what it's worth, I keep doing the podcast. Hopefully. Hopefully that can be of some solace to somebody or keep you maybe inspired when you think you're losing it, when you think I'm never going to work again or I don't want to do this thing anymore. Um, and I do my wee funny videos because I want to make people happy. Um, so if you've not seen them and you want to laugh, you can go to Bridal Hingway on uh, all the social media channels that you would expect. Bridal Hingway. Hingway is H-I-N-G-W-Y. And um, you can meet my characters, Frank and Janice. I was also on the La Fontaine's podcast last week. I don't know if it was out i think it came out on the same day as our episode of putting it together last week so i'm not sure if i mentioned it but it's it's there you just look uh up the la fontaines and they're on all good podcast providers same as putting it together so i think isn't it about time we had our guest of the week yes i've got an interview with you now uh, with you for you with imogen sterling but I, before i do that actually i should tell you oh, i'm all over the place right but forget it i could cut this but that's boring um if you want to help the podcast to keep going and you can do that financially if you've got a couple of quid to spare and it really doesn't have to be much more than that um please go to the podcast website it's puttingittogethercast.com and you look for the big yellow donate button it's right in the center of the screen it's really simple puttingittogethercast.com and look for the yellow donate button Many people are doing that monthly, and if you can spare a couple of quid a month, it makes a massive difference. We do have running costs, and they are growing um, because I've expanded the team, and I'm so thankful that I have because Aaron is an absolute godsend. He's done so much work, um, and he's making the whole experience for me, and therefore for everybody, um, easier and and smoother and of a higher quality. So I'm really thankful for that, and that's down to the people who donate to the show. Um but we do run at a loss. So if you uh, can afford to give us a couple of quid, please consider doing that. Just go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on the yellow donate button. Remember to follow us on social media, of course, pitccpod on Instagram and Twitter, and just search for Putting It Together on Facebook. So now, at last, I'm going to bring you my guest of the week. It's Imogen Sterling, and she's with me, and we are Putting It Together.
just have a chat, it's cool. <laughs> oh no, it's so nice. Just to relax a wee bit. Yeah. Where are you, by the way? Are you in Glasgow? I am in Glasgow, yes. Right. And how's your lockdown? I mean, it's it's lockdown. It's going. Um, I just moved flat the other day, actually, so it felt like quite a strange time to be uh, to be doing that. Oh wow! Yeah, that is weird. Um, but no, I mean, it's it, it's okay. I guess we've sort of strangely got used to it by this point. Yeah. Are you working much? I am. I'm currently working for the um, Paisley Book Festival, All right. um, which was a really fortunate kind of contract to come up. It's really seen me through the past few months of otherwise emptiness. Um, so that's a writer in residence thing, is it? Yes, that's right. How does that work then? Tell me a wee bit about that. So it's it's a digital residency. Um, it's the first time that, so the festival's come out for its second year. It just debuted um, back in 2019. Uh, mm. No, 2020. Um, and this is the first year that they've had the the residency position. Um, I think its main role really is sort of community outreach and engagement work. Um, mm-hmm. So leading a lot of creative workshops uh, with groups and organisations in and around um, Paisley and Renfrewshire. Right. Uh, I'm also curating a few of the events for the festival and doing a bit of creative work, a sort of creative response of my own uh, to the festival's theme. So it's a really nice rounded role because um. i think we i think we hear writer in residence and or i do and i think of someone like in a room on their own like this is our writer like our hermit yep you know? yep that's exactly what i thought of it too <laughs> yeah and it sounds like it's it's more like a i don't know a post uh doing lots of different things yeah yeah exactly that it's really nice so it's all online i take it it is which is strange so um the i mean both the events that i'm organizing are to be put online for the fe- the whole festival is mm-hmm. online um but the workshops too are also online which is quite strange i'm very used to you know like being in a in a room of people and able to engage with them that way so doing it all through zoom is yeah a bit, of a bit of a learning curve so is it largely people who've never really written before then yeah for the most part mm-hmm. um there's maybe three groups that have um i mean they're still very much amateur writers but mm-hmm. they might be um sort of writing or there's a script writing group as well that used to meet um and that sort of come to an end uh with lockdown so it's sort of reigniting that for them but most of the groups uh are complete complete new newbies uh when mm-hmm. it comes to writing um which is which is really nice it's sometimes my favorite type of people to work with actually yeah yeah i suppose there's a kind of a i don't want to say innocence but there's an openness isn't there absolutely and it's, it's nice, too, because seeing people produce writing so quickly and kind of spontaneously, yep. people who never thought they could write or had never really turned their hand to writing before, it's really nice to see to see people so impressed by themselves, actually. Yeah, I love that. Like, oh, look, I did a thing. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's really yeah. impressive. It's, and I wonder if the self-critic is actually quieter in, in people sometimes, you know? Just like, if you say, just go for it, and they're, they're, they're allowed to just you know right and they don't have all the years of kind of uh neurosis built on top of that exactly you know, exactly to stop it yeah i think it's lovely they don't really have anything to kind of prove so much which is yeah. really it's quite refreshing and do you find do you find that people um are very autobiographical like naturally even if they don't realize it or what what kind of things come out most often i mean it's interesting because these workshops are quite um they do all have quite a specific theme to them. So the, the festival's overall theme is Radical New Futures. Um, right. And so it's essentially exploring ideas of hope and resili- resilience and optimism and, and essentially crafting more hopeful times from uh, from difficulty. So right. a lot of the exercises that we're doing, they become naturally autobiographical because people are looking at what they've been through and what they hope to move on towards so there is, it is quite rooted in, in personal experience Yeah. in the cases of these workshops, certainly. Does trauma come up? I mean, do people openly just, just tell you about terrible things that have happened to them? Yeah, a lot, actually. Really? Um, because I think whenever I do these workshops, I really try to stress that poetry and, and creative writing more widely, but um, poetry is a really great tool for for catharsis and mindfulness and processing thought and emotion. Um, mm. And I always I always kind of stipulate that there's never an obligation to share work that is produced during workshops, but I think people really like to, to have the option to, 
I don't know, to show it to someone. I guess you, you've already done the first stage of getting this this trauma, this hardship out of your mind and onto the page. And I think then to be able to show that to somebody else is almost a, a second step of, of healing or, or realizing it. Or I'm not really sure what it is, but certainly a yeah. lot of trauma does come up. That's so interesting. So yeah. I mean, it's all it's therapeutic in some sense. Absolutely, I really think so. And did it start out like that for you, or what? What brought you into this uh, craft in the first place? Um, you know, it it kind of was something like that. I I mean, my my background is in theatre and music. Um, mm-hmm. Music, which due due to the sort of nature of my performance at that time, turned into a lot of cover material, a lot of working with other people's um, writing. Mm-hmm. So I think I was already quite frustrated at working with other people's words rather than my own. Um, but also the first poem that I ever wrote was a response to a, a really horrible thing that had, that had uh, happened to a friend of mine that I didn't really, in either theatre or music, I didn't have the words to respond to it. So I, I, I sort of did some research into spoken word poetry and realised what a marvellous means of expression it was. And so I, I tried to, to write my first ever spoken word piece um, right. responding to this incident. So it was out of necessity, almost? Yeah, yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. It was out of uh-huh. necessity. So does that mean that you were never really satisfied as a as a, a performer, say, in other people's words, or there was always something missing? Yeah, it felt like that. I mean, I really... I loved it in, in some ways, um, but I think I've just... I've always, I've always loved writing myself... Um, and yeah, there was just something felt unfulfilled, I guess, through constantly working with other people's work. Yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, I guess that does happen to people, isn't it? Like for some people, I kind of really like the, the what's the word? Not even the freedom, but I, I like working with other people's words. I, I like being a cog in a machine, as I've often mm-hmm, said. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I did when I was younger, I did lots of things where I was kind of, you know, like, chief cook and bottle washer and driving everybody around and the producer and all that sure. and then later in life I discovered what it's like to just like this is your bit and you stand there and you do your bit and then you go off and you're done <laughs> and I really discovered that suits me quite well you know Aye, that makes sense and then for other people like yourself it's a bit more kind of that, that's really frustrating and um you need more autonomy yeah I mean I, it was good in some ways I mean I spent a very a, a long period of my life um traveling abroad and playing music which was because it was a lot of um, sort of street music and then spontaneous gigs mm-hmm. uh, paired with various language barriers. It, it became natural to be performing other people's music um, so that people would recognise it better. And there was something really nice about taking songs that really you didn't think much of yourself and kind of recreating them, whether that be, I don't know, changing the, the genre, adding harmonies, just... Yeah. There was a creativity in that and it was really good fun. I think just after... After a period, it started to feel unfulfilling, I suppose. So how did all that come about? You were running about all over different countries, playing gigs in the street and all that? <laughs> I think just not having any idea what else to do at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's off in the way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Man, it feels like ages ago now. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I went, I went to uni, I studied theatre and English. It came to an end and I just didn't really know what to do. Um, and so myself and my, my partner at the time, who was also my kind of music partner, uh, we just thought, we actually just decided to go abroad for a couple of months and see if we could sustain ourselves through busking. Um, but it went really, really well um, and ended staying away doing the same kind of thing for about two years. Two years? Where did you go then? Surprisingly, not that far. We um, Falkirk. We missed out Falkirk, unfortunately. <laughs> you missed the trick. You missed the I trick. I know, really. I know, right? <laughs> no, we just, we stayed in Europe, um, went as far as the Canary Islands. But I think there was just something so nice about travelling slowly, um, not kind of hopping between capital cities and seeing how much ground you could travel that way, but just mm. going to, because so much, so much of the music, it was so direct, it was on the street, it was you know, immediately to the people who were there. Um, there was something really nice about going to smaller smaller places, staying there for longer, um, yeah. and kind of taking music to towns that weren't hearing music so often, perhaps. Right. Um, but it was spontaneous, the actual travel schedule, was it? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, just see what yeah, happens next. Exactly. 
Wow. I, I'm, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> it took a bit of getting used to. Yeah, I remember I trying to hitchhike for the first time and the rejection was just awful. I thought <laughs> I just couldn't stand it. Standing at the side of the road for about three hours hoping someone was going to uh, stop and help you. You should have known when you trained in theatre that you were going to have rejection in some form. You didn't know, know it was going to be through hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. So what got you into the, the theatre training and, and the English and stuff in the first place then? I always like to know what people are like as kids, you know, and try and piece together how, how we got to where we are. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I was just really always loved writing and reading, always wanted to explore that further in some capacity. Mm. Um, and I mean, similar, I suppose, with, with theatre too. Uh, I was involved, worked with the, the Lyceum and the Playhouse in Edinburgh, right kind of through my childhood and, and teens. Um and then, I don't know, I think it just came to that big decision, the sort of end of school, start of higher education thing. And I just, I was very torn between applying to a, a more specific theatre school um, and uni. I'd always been really um, sort of academically smart at school um, and felt some sort of obligation from somewhere to to make sure I wasn't neglecting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, I mean, I'd, I'd grown up in a really small town. I really wanted to move to a city. Um, and Glasgow offered a brilliant sort of combined theatre and English course at its university there mm-hmm. and yeah it really appealed to me so I thought I would just give it a go. Was that English literature? Yes, English literature and theatre studies. I'm always fascinated by pe- when people say that they studied literature like I mean surely you don't sit about reading all day but I kind of it does sound good. What happens? Tell me Tell me a day in the life of a literature <laughs> student. I've been fascinated about this. I'm dying to know. Oh, it's a good question. It feels like a bit of a distant memory. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sitting about and reading, to be honest. There's a lot of reading to sort of very immediate deadlines. Um, right. So do you end up staying up all night trying to finish a book and all that? I mean, often, yeah. Right. Which is kind of mad. Um, I suppose there's so many different periods of of literature um yeah that you'd be sort of delve into and then i think as far as i recall the sort of first couple of years were spent really widely looking at um at, at all sorts of literature and, and then finding out what best appealed to you and then in the latter years you can kind of choose your special specialties um mm. branching into dissertations and all that fun stuff um a lot of essay writing and a lot of reading so what specialty did you end up going into i I was really interested in American literature um, right. and typical of any sort of early 20s person discovered the, the beat poets and just mm-hmm. and loved them. And so I, I was interested in the ties between music and poetry specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was looking at um, Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and how they had... Um, how their music... Uh, not how their music, how their poetry was influenced by jazz and bebop and how they sort of stole from really um the origins of that kind of culture and romanticize it a little bit and re- reproduce it in their own writing because i suppose at, the, in, at that time the time of the beat poets mm-hmm. music and poetry the scenes were kind of merged in some way weren't they they were and it's funny because i feel like the scenes then um separated again for quite a long time and it's only a bit more recently that they're perhaps coming yeah. back together yeah are they together now do you think is i mean there's a lot of music going on at poetry nights for example i don't know i mean there is i just would love to see more uh, real overlaps between the two um mm. i mean obviously you have you have the hip-hop scene which is a whole thing to itself but yeah. poetry i don't know i mean quite often you'll see poets and musicians on the same bill but real overlaps and and sort of poetry music collaborations it's just something I would I would love to see more of. I don't think there's a huge amount of just now. I'd I'd like to talk a wee bit more about that in your work mm. later. I've got I've got a I was going to say I've got a plan, but that's definitely not true. <laughs> but I do just feel like I want to mention right now that I'm actually reading a Jack Kerouac book at the moment. Oh really? Yeah, my first. I'm reading uh, the Dharma Bums. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, which I really like. I I like things that are a bit kind of. Um, what would be the word for that? Sort of that that feel like they sort of sprawl and just. Yep. one thing kind of happens after another you know you're like oh what's where are they going to go next you know it's just a huge ramble there's a huge yeah. chaotic ramble i love it 
those are my kind of books and where you get to the end same with films like when you only know, get to the end of something you go oh right yeah like that feeling <laughs> i like exactly that. that like oh that could have been a lot shorter or it could have been a lot longer and i wouldn't have either would have been fine <laughs> yeah that's so true um yeah i'm enjoying it though it's good and i, I read a book about the beats uh barry miles's book the beat hotel which i loved oh, really? a couple of times yeah it's really nice so um Oh, forget the plan. Tell me a little bit about how music <laughs> works in your poetry then, because I was listening to your album uh, and I've now forgotten what it's called. Um, hashtag hypocrisy. That's the very one. Wouldn't I? Um, yeah, it's pretty integral, to be honest. Um, I think the way that the way that I handle music now has certainly developed from that album. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the sort of, I don't know, yeah, the kind of starting point, I guess, of trying to marry um, poetry and music. And it was really nice. It's basically that that show, it's a sort of 50, 50 minute long stage show. Oh, um, it's a show, okay. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a stage show um, which started off at the Fringe, I believe, a couple of years ago. And at the time, I was just working with one guitarist who accompanied me um the sort of full way through the piece so the words and the music were very much linked yeah um, later on we brought in percussion um expanded made it a little bit more soundscapey a bit more electronic kind of sounding yeah, yeah but i don't know the music still always felt like a like a backing to me like you could if you wanted to separate the two and they could exist um yeah separate to one another whereas now i'm just really keen to properly interweave the two and i'm at the sort of latest show that i'm working on is currently sort of with a, a four or five piece band um, with the music very much. There's a 50-50 waiting to the words and the music. Sure, yeah, yeah. So one without the other wouldn't wouldn't work. Exactly, yes, yeah. exactly that. And do you, but do you play music? I mean, you play instruments, no? Not really. I, right. I sing. Um, that was always the thing that got me through when I was when I was away and gigging and whatnot. Have very okay. basic instrumental skills, um, but definitely just choose to rely on people more talented than me to provide the, the instrumentation so how does it work then i mean are you do you talk in musical terms to people who are accompanying your poetry or is it kind of here's the here's the words what do you think you could bring to it or let's improvise i mean yeah exactly that i do not have the the musical terminology required at all right okay um it's just the the most important thing really is finding the right people to work with because um, I've certainly I think it, it can be quite jarring actually to approach someone with such <laughs> such a like a concept and vague instructions but a lot of musicians I think require more more specifics than that but I've yeah. been just really lucky to find a couple of brilliant musicians who who just kind of get it um, who are able to improvise to your pattern of speech and able to interpret what you're trying to convey um yeah. and then with with this bigger um sort of band show even just having that one person who can then act as the sort of music director and convey your vague thinkings yeah to the rest. exactly exactly yeah, yeah. um so it's just looking for those those brilliant core people to to get on the same page as you i think I guess when you find people like that, you sort of hang on tight, don't you? Oh, very if they, tight. If they vibe with what you're doing and they understand your language and stuff like yep. that. Yep. Um, do you ever gig without music then? I do. I just don't, I don't prefer it. Um, right, right. I, yeah, it, it depends. And obviously throughout lockdown as well, I, I started doing a lot of um, just live streamed gigs um, at the beginning to sort of explore the digital world. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. And because I was by myself and not with any musicians that I work with, it was back to um, to just just being me solo. Um, and I mean, I did I had my, my one off live gig of, of lockdown, which was really fortunate um, down in down south a few months ago and that was a that was a musicless performance too and it, it was a nice reminder actually of the power because the piece that I was reading was a very um just a very kind of hard-hitting moving piece it was actually quite nice it's starkness without music um yeah it was a little reminder that it might be quite nice to uh to delve back into that at points um, yeah yeah just for impact but but in general I really I love having music there what is the scene like, uh, you know, like poetry nights and things like that, in terms of the interplay between the different artists? I'm just thinking from my experience uh, in stand-up, which is minimal, 
um that can i feel that's that can be quite a harsh almost cutthroat kind of a vibe between people it's quite competitive what how does it compare then to poetry do you think i mean it really depends on on the night i think um Mm. in general because it still is less of an established scene and art form i think that that competitiveness is is lacking which is nice Mm, um I run or ran prior to all this um, two different poetry nights in Glasgow, um, and it was really nice actually. People are just naturally so supportive of each other. Um, the nights that I ran, I tried to aim at, at new voices um, and sort of giving this first uh, this first opportunity to perform work live to people who might not have done done so before. Yeah. But in general, I find poet poetry audiences so even the other the other performers when they're in the audience waiting to perform are immensely attentive of um while the other people are reading often because poetry is very personal i think um and so you can't really talk over or through it in the same way that you might at a a music gig for example yeah it's maybe a bit more raw as well isn't it yeah exactly that um and frequently when the next artist will, will go up on stage, they'll reference the person who came before and maybe, you know, congratulate them if they'd mentioned that it was their first time reading the piece, something like that. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, it, it tends to be a, a very a very supportive scene. Oh, that's cool. I mean, you were talking earlier about, you know, uh, people in groups that you're working with being, you know, dealing with trauma and being autobiographical mm. and processing things. Do you, Is that still the case for you? I mean, how personal is your work day to day? Not that personal, to be honest. I, right. I I think it's I think poetry is brilliant in that it can be this this healing cathartic tool but I also think people make themselves very vulnerable very quickly um particularly in the in the spoken word scene when you're you're processing or sometimes not even entirely processing but you're just sort of dipping into your trauma and then presenting it to this room full of strangers I, it doesn't always sit well with me I think people need to maybe protect themselves a little better um mm. And for me, that's just I've done I've done little bits of that when I needed to, um, but for the most part, I just really enjoy kind of crafting characters and telling stories. And of course, everything is influenced by personal experience to an extent. But I like to keep a bit of a a bit of a barrier, I think, between what I'm sharing and what sure. is what is so personal. What about uh, current events, like? Bojo comes to Scotland do you sit down and go I have to write something about this oh, I think I did for a while but again now not not so much I I mean there's so many people doing that but also your work becomes uh irrelevant very quickly which is frustrating it means you have to oh, keep yeah. on producing work um, you gotta churn it out don't you along with the news cycle exactly and it can just be a bit miserable to be honest having to keep up with it all um I think I like I like the work that you to be influenced by what's going on around us but sometimes distance yourself a little bit from the absolute specifics of it i think slightly broader and yes in its appeal perhaps yeah yeah of course yeah yeah and then you must i mean do you ever get do you ever get sick of like listening to to that or to that doesn't that sounds like a terrible question <laughs> you know like you must be immersed in other people's work all the time I mean for example sometimes if I if I'm working on a, a, an Irish music project mm-hmm. I don't want to hear any more Irish music at the end of the day do you ever kind of like feel like sharp or I don't want to <laughs> hear any more you know carefully crafted poetic thoughts shut up oh definitely definitely and I find I don't really actively seek out poetry at least spoken word to listen to that much anymore okay right um yeah certainly if i'm kind of looking for influence i will look elsewhere um than spoken word i like keeping up with with the people particularly kind of friends with of mine within the spoken word scene i like keeping up with their work um particularly just now when everybody's so distanced and actually it's not every day that you're being bombarded with with other people's poetic performances yeah of course yeah but it can, yeah, it can get a bit much, especially when you're doing open mic nights and you're listening to person after person after person uh, presenting their pieces. It's yeah. nice to take a little step back from it all. I suppose like a stand-up comic, you know, seeing person after person come up and be like, hi, it's good to be here, you know. Oh, absolutely. What's the deal with crisps or whatever? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Drive you crazy. So the 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 writer-in-residence thing that you're doing just now... 
um you have your own there's an arm of it where you're working on your own work your own response to the themes of the festival yes is that the show that you're talking about with the band or are those two different things no this is a totally separate thing actually um it's what i've i mean the the work i think the focus of the residency is mainly on the workshops and the events um the my sort of own creative response it's it was a bit more vague in that you could kind of present it in any form that you wanted really uh so i've decided to write a, a long form poetic piece um that's been made into a i think a silly poem is the correct term but essentially a film uh that that goes with the poem um right. by a really brilliant um also spoken word performer but filmmaker too uh called sarah grant who's just one of my one of my favorite Cool. Scottish practitioners so we're collaborating to bring this poem to life and then present it uh, during during one of the events. So does that mean that you write the poem in its entirety first or is there a kind of a back and forth? Yeah it's all quite new to me to be honest I haven't really done this before I, mm. I have written the full piece um, left it with a sort of certain looseness and flexibility I think to accommodate her own workings mm. but um, I think I think it's mainly a case of me writing it first and then we're going together to, to sort of capture some footage and then also film this performance and then she will work her creative magic and draw the whole thing together. Wow. So is the central thing you performing the poem as part of the film? Are you in the film? like? I believe so. I mean, I'm sort of leaving it open to her own vision. Oh, right. So it might be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to... We'll be in Paisley together and taking some footage of maybe some of the performance there or just some sort of more atmospheric shots mm-hmm. um paired with a a film of the um yeah of the actual performance too and then she'll sort of splice it all together in some clever way oh cool and there'll be music in that presumably yeah there will there will um just one of my long-term collaborators i'm sending the the track off to him and then he will craft something around it it's really frustrating having to do it all at a distance um yeah. but he is able to sort of take that away to his studio and and create something to accompany the piece which will be really nice because we miss that thing of sitting in a room kind of thrashing something out we don't get that and yes you don't you also don't get that on zoom you can talk about stuff but you can't um in that same way pull stuff apart and have bits of it lying everywhere and try a little yeah. bit of this and of that can you yeah it's a real shame because that's certainly how i found the best way to work with with poetry and music it is just that sense of of jamming and improvising yeah um everything suddenly becomes so much more rigid when you're just creating work separately and sending it to each other there's i don't know that looseness is gone which yeah. is a, a real shame now do you write in a in a structured sort of a way like uh sitting down at a specific place and going there and writing or is it sort of you wake up in the middle of the night with a, a wee thing in your head and scrub it down or what? it's a bit of a mix um to be honest i yeah. just try to I try to write to deadlines as much as possible um it's been a bit of a strange year because well, in many ways, but um, this this show is called Love the Sinner, um, this show with the full band that I'm sort mm-hmm. of in the process of working towards. It had very set deadlines um, because we had, um, we were working in, in a theatre together and we had our, all our rehearsals penciled in. So I knew what I was working towards and I knew when the script had to be produced and so on. So that, the removal of that jars with me a little bit. Um, being handed too much time and not really knowing the goals that you're working towards. Um, I find that quite a difficult atmosphere for writing. Um, I like yeah. a bit of pressure and a bit of stress, I oh think. God, absolutely, yeah. Without that, it's kind of like, well, why would I bother? Oh, exactly. And even not really knowing what you're working towards at the moment, um, because yeah. all of my work is, is live, uh, and I don't think translates particularly well to just being digital or just being audio it's hard to know like do i do i continue in this piece that's intended for theater when we don't know when theaters are reopening it's yeah. it's all quite odd i think if there was an end date in sight for any of this it would be much easier for a lot of us yes of definitely. course it would emotionally and you know stuff but mm. in terms of work you know if you, if you had a deadline or you knew you were definitely going to be doing a show in september or something it'd be a whole different ball game of course but the the endless tunnel with a little glimmer of light at the end of it is kind of a bit scary it is it really is is any of your work um kind of dealing with any of that or how you feel about this stuff the, the lockdown and the virus and stuff not so much um mainly just because i don't know i feel like you could get a bit too sucked into it all and a bit too miserable really yeah um it's 
but it, it's quite interesting. I mean, I'm working on a, on a quite a big theatre show um, with another group of people. Um, and it's interesting because it, it looks very specifically at clubbing um, and the nightlife scene mm-hmm. um, in Glasgow and in Scotland. And it's it's so... I mean, it's so far removed from where we're at just now. We did a, a managed to get a couple of weeks of our um, development time in just before Christmas and sort of brief relaxation of rules and the brief time when the theatre could open again. And yeah. it was it was just quite strange, like trying to explore that, trying to bring to life this this sense of of, of partying and of going out when it's the furthest thing from anybody's experiences right now. Um, yeah also physically like if you if we, we managed to get into rehearsal rooms but we couldn't go near each other oh yeah we had to stand at three meters apart i think because there was singing that was the, the right, yeah. regulations we had to be so distanced it was it was funny i was doing a thing with the sets and they said oh, we'll have a new version of the script on friday but you'll have to print it yourselves because if we print it on thursday night it's supposed to go into quarantine for 72 hours before you can touch it really <laughs> I think we we might be getting a bit waylaid here. What if the person wore gloves who was printing it? Oh, exactly. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we could do that. Oh jeez. <laughs> so yeah, in the end up, I think the person wore gloves. I can't remember what the decision was, but there was a, a really long <laughs> conversation about this printing about this script, you know. Oh my god. And then you can't, as you say, I mean, trying to create a scene where the people are in a nightclub or something. Forget it. Not possible. Oh, not at all. Um, where was that? You're working on that. Um, at the Tron. Ah, right. Okay, cool. Nice one. So what is your role on that? So it's kind of performer slash writer, really. Um, I think it was maybe a year ago now. Um, I went to, it was a, a residency at, at the Tron. Uh, it was really cool. It was a gig theatre residency um, with a, a Hull-based company um, who were uh, essentially teaching teaching elements of gig theatre to oh, the, I know the bunch about of us. This. I think I think Danny Heron did that. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. because it uh, did. It was it the same company that did. Um, what was the? It was a great uh, title. Clearing all kinds of everything. Or oh, all we. Everything we ever wanted. Something yes, like. something like that. Great show. Yeah. Oh, they're brilliant. What are they called again? Uh, Middle Child. Ah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're involved with that, or you were involved with that last year? Yeah, yeah. So they, um, yeah, they put on this this residency, and I just I met a few a few girls there and we I can't really remember now but we, we had to sort of very quickly within the couple of days that we were doing it come up with a, a concept uh, for a show and then we presented it in a little sharing at the, at the end of the residency mm-hmm. but it just it went really well like the bunch of us that had met there we just really gelled and came up with this concept that the Tron really liked and Middle Child really liked and they basically just encouraged us to expand it um wow yeah, and we, we so we, we've kind of spent the past year doing that. Uh, it's seen us through lockdown, which has been nice. Um, That's good. Got funded to do the first development of it. And so it's, yeah, just waiting to see where it goes now, really. Wow. So you would be in it as well? At the moment, that's that's how we've handled it. Um, we, yeah. There's four of us that have kind of formed the core team. Um, and we uh, we sort of co-wrote the, the skeleton of it and then performed it so far but we're working with um megan tyler who's a really ah, great. brilliant brilliant playwright to sort of flesh out the full piece into a big cohesive script um yep. over the next few months so would you feel like that that playwrighty dramaturg part would be a little bit out of your wheelhouse then no i think i would have loved to do it in other uh-huh. maybe in another situation but it was it was the fact that because there were four of us who had all contributed bits of work and no sort of sense of hierarchy or authority between us. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was quite a strange position for one of us to then take charge, and because we needed a cohesive voice um, to unite our four different voices at that point. Yeah, it's like an outside eye, isn't it, to kind of bring it together? Exactly that. Um, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, it's a really cool project. And I mean, those residency things, you know, it seems like they're not really coming in with the intention of finding a thing to then make is it not more kind of experiment and just mess about oh yeah completely so that's a that's a big stroke of luck then that something more solid came out of it yeah it was really nice it just it all happened very organically and very spontaneously and we just so happened to come up with a a concept that all meant that meant something to the four of us 
um, yeah. yeah, it was a real stroke of luck. That's cool. Well, it's good to have something, that, a sort of a through line through this lockdown. I mean, not everyone's been so lucky. No, not at all. It really, really helped, particularly in the kind of earlier days of it all. Did you have to cancel other stuff when all this kicked off? <laughs> Everything. I think it was in... I'd really planned the year very well. Um, <laughs> you have a beautiful year laid out. I had, you? Oh, yeah, I bought one of those big, like, full year wall planner things. Oh, come um, on. That you were just asking for trouble. I know, right? But it was honestly within, I think it was four days, I saw the entire year's worth of work cancelled, and it was just so crushing. Yeah, it's horrible. Were you going to be travelling and doing different things, or what, what was going to be happening? There was there was quite a lot of travel in it. Um, it was mainly the, the year of this new project of, of Love the yeah. Sinner um had a big development thing planned um ideally taking it to the fringe as well um alongside just a lot of really exciting solo gigs um luckily one of them managed to pull through and be filmed in a very socially distanced lovely way mm-hmm. which allowed, allowed it to to happen but everything else just was postponed or fell apart really oh, it's so sad I mean, it just felt like our whole industry just fell apart, really, in one week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And not knowing when it comes back. I know I've said this already, but just that if I knew when we were going back, I could totally cope. But not knowing is just very weird. It's horrible. And just seeing so many friends and sort of colleagues, if you like, suffering in their different ways. And all there's just so many different examples of people having a really bad time. Yeah. And it's, it's just sad. It's awful. So you... You obviously did a lot of uh, reading back in the uni days. What what were you left with in terms of reading? What do you read now? Do you avoid all that American literature, or do you, are you still in love with it? Oh no, I've I've it actually really put me off reading for a long did time. It? Yeah, I wonder um, about that. Yeah, it was just so the pressure of it. Um, I it was nice in some ways being forced to kind of read this real breadth of work that you otherwise wouldn't have. Um, but it also. I don't, I don't know, I, I couldn't really enjoy reading just for pleasure anymore for quite some time after mm-hmm. it. Um, now, just a variety. Um, I really like, I like trying to look out work by Scottish writers. Um, I really like reading plays, um, some poetry books as well. Uh, I really like more kind of prose poetry whenever you can find that, so that when there's a nice overlap in the two styles. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm reading Scabby Queen finally. Just oh, it's now, on my list. Uh, I've by... not read it yet. Oh, it's so I'm good. Sure it is. I just did a bit of a development with Kirsten the other week on a thing she's working on. Oh, cool. And we all got to the end of the, the last Zoom call and we're going, and I'll, I'll need to read stuff. And we all went, I'll need to read Scabby Queen, you know. Bye. And then I forgot. But yeah, I really need to. It's oh, it's so good. And I noticed there's a, there's a festival, uh, not a festival, there's an event with her during oh. the Paisley Book Festival. Um, where she's working with a musician to sort of, as far as I can see, kind of take, give give music to the show and give music to the character. Oh. Um, and it just, I would really like to know the full story before seeing that event. So I have a, a deadline to, to have course, it read yeah. by. So when is the Paisley Book Festival? Um, it begins on the 18th of February. So we're just in time then to get to get involved. Yes. How do we how do we get involved? Where, where, where do we find out information and get tickets and all that? Um, just on their website, which I think is paisleybookfest.com. Okay. Um, the the program went up the other day and it's just brilliant. You can browse it all there. Um, all of the events are free as well which is wow. really nice um yeah it's really it's widened the accessibility of the festival the fact that it's all digital too um mm. i think most of the events you'll be able to watch on youtube um it's yeah it's all up there on the website ready to be to be browsed through there's there's a whole lot Amazing. Going on. i like book festivals when you authors are in conversation like i like listening to authors because hearing how their brains work and how they came about these ideas you know mm-hmm Oh, it's fascinating. I mean, even people, almost always the people who uh, don't like public speaking or are shy or strange characters, they're kind of more interesting, you know. The oddball authors and you're like, oh, this is what this person's like. How strange, you know. It's brilliant. That's what their brain is like. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. So th- is there a lot of that sort of one-on-one authors being interviewed type stuff? Is that quite common at book festivals? Yeah. And it, yeah, there's a whole lot of that just now. Um at the Paisley one, a lot of authors in conversation, a lot of author performances, 
um, nice lineups of numerous authors within the same event, as well as open workshops as well. There's a children's section too. There's a yeah, it's a really very very thorough um, program, which is amazing. Awesome. And then when that's finished, does that does that signal the end of your post? Yeah, pretty much. Right. And has that been for a year? Not even as long as that. It's it's I think it started in October or November, right. um, through until March. I'll have one one last sort of strand of the of the festival work to continue throughout March. Um, so it's been a really condensed, very packed little period of time, which has been really nice. Amazing. And then from the eighteenth, will we be able to see your piece that you're working on? It will be. It'll be debuted a little bit later in the festival. I think it might be the twenty sixth. Um, I'm doing a. It's an event with with the filmmaker Sarah Grant, so it's a conversation between the two of us as well as a, a presentation of the film. Um, but I think the film will then be sort of up and live and able to be watched from then onwards. Cool. No pressure then, eh? You've got less than a month yeah, to know, get it right? out there. God, I know. <laughs> You're telling me. So is the is the full piece written, and then now you have to do the filming part. The full piece is written. Right. Uh, it's actually the learning of the full piece, which is proving difficult. Of course, because yeah, then you have to perform it yeah, in front of the camera. Oh, it's so wordy. Um, but you do it in segments, surely. That's what I'm hoping. I, I hope there's a, a sort of lack of pressure. Yeah, or an autocue. Uh, that's what I was thinking. There'll be something, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was supposed to do a, a backstage tour of the Lyceum on film in January. Oh, cool. Um, for it sent out to schools. And they sent the script they sent us was like screeds and screeds of information Ooh. about the history and they were like oh, so we'll give you a you know we'll pay you for a day to learn it and i was like a day what are you talking about oh jeez and then someone was like would it help if we had an auto cue yes definitely do that hugely <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what they were like you can always just improvise yeah improvise historical facts no bother uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so oh, what's God, on no, for the rest of today for you uh, for the rest of today i am um, i'm planning couple of more workshops for the for the festival mm-hmm. um which are taking place next week um i'm also i'm working with a, a dramaturg just now on my script and i believe i might be getting uh feedback and edits from him today which is Scary both biscuits. exciting and worrying oh, yeah i know i've just had a bunch of feedback on my script oh, and it's geez. like thanks so much and then now i have to go and do work on it you know i know i know <sighs> It's good though. It is good overall. It is it's good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a bit worrying. So, what would be your top tips then, if people if people don't know much about spoken word or poetry, where should we start if we want to hear some or get get into some? Oh, that's it. That's a very good question. Um, I mean, YouTube is the best starting point because mm. I mean, spoken word is there to be watched and to be heard aloud, um, and there are so many brilliant poets on there. Um, there are bigger kind of names like there's a guy called Shane Koizan who he was the guy who sort of got me he was the first poet that I listened to the first spoken word poet and right. he's Canadian I believe and he's 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 been around for a while now and just is really widely loved his work is very accessible um, he's a really brilliant moving performer and a lot of his videos too are accompanied either by music or by animation so it, it oh, already cool. introduces you to yeah the sort of breadth of what spoken word can be shane koizan shane koizan yeah he's Smashing. he's great um and then there are more local people there's um the loud poets in edinburgh are a great group and they put up loads of brilliant video content too right. um both work actually they put up workshops recently which is really nice so sort of online workshops about how to craft different pieces of poetry so if you're trying to get into spoken word oh, great. that's that's a nice starting point plus they they filmed a lot of their live events and then put up some of those performers um so you're seeing this big wide insight into so many of the different uh artists in and around the the uk who have been on their stages so they'd be a really good starting point did you say loud say. poets yeah the loud poets oh great Oh, this is useful, very useful, because I'm just yeah, going to go and look them up now, you see. Oh, do it. They're such a great bunch. Really good team. Because I'm a bit of a K Tempest fan. That would be my kind oh, of me end too. of things, you know. That's I've had to stop listening to, to them so much because I'd, I was very heavily influenced by K Tempest when I started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that <laughs> ends point, up in your voice, yeah. Oh, my God. Even, I mean, even starting to, like, adopt the same accent, which was ridiculous because I could not sound further from it. Um, but, <laughs> but I think I've maybe left it long enough that I can dip back into 
yeah. into their work because yeah. it's just just spectacular. I just ordered their book actually, the On Connection. Oh, cool! I haven't, I haven't done that it. yet. Yeah. Or I realised I had ordered it and then uh, discovered I hadn't completed the order. So a couple of weeks I was going, those bloody books never arrived. And then I looked on the place where I'd ordered them. I was like, oh, I never actually clicked. That would be why. <laughs> oh, I might do that too, actually. I would love to read it. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be amazing. And just anything by them is class, though. Oh, yes. Just the best. Um, any, any books you would recommend for us to get started with kind of getting into your scene? Oh, that's... Yes. Um... I'd really recommend checking out um, Speculative Books, who are they're a Glasgow-based publishing company, right. um, publishing specifically spoken word and poetry. Um, so it's really they, they they have a good subscription service where you can I can't actually remember how much it's maybe about six pounds or something per month, and you get a new book of poetry or spoken word sent to you each month. Um, oh, nice! And it's really. They just have such a huge variety of writers. They're lovely sort of little little books, um, really easy to read. And they're publishing just some brilliant, um, brilliant spoken word poets from around Glasgow and Scotland, which is great. Um, and they've had some really interesting books come out recently that are, I guess because people haven't been performing so much, they've been... Just creating different types of books. More, I don't want to sort of give it away too much because it's, it's quite nice just to discover on their website. But okay. just books with different themes, almost like interactive books in a way, um, but still with this lovely poetic foundation. Um, and they have so many books that you can choose from now. So I'd say they'd be a really nice, a really nice introduction to spoken word writing. Oh, that's great! Cool. I mean, I. Oh, the only other reference I have, oh, I've got a few, I suppose. Holly McNish mm-hmm. is a bit more yes, recent. Yes, yes. Um, but I, when I was a lot younger, I went to see John Cooper Clark live, which I just loved. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's amazing. He's also very funny, like, in, you know, even when he's not performing or when he's being interviewed, you know what I mean? He's a really funny guy. Yep. Um, but yeah, oh, I remember going to see him at the Arches, which, of course, is the perfect place for him. There's also a good, um, just thinking about other insights into, into spoken word, I, I was involved in a show earlier this year. Uh, it's called Life in Rhymes. Mm. Um, it's hosted by Benjamin Zephaniah and is available freely on Sky Arts. Oh. And it's a really, it's basically providing a sort of visual introduction into the spoken word scene around about the UK. Um, and I think there's four four poets per episode and there may be four or five episodes I can't remember oh great it's it's so nice and and, um, I think I mine was in September and Holly McNish was there too and she was just fantastic it was the first time I'd seen her perform live and she's just so funny um so there's a really nice mix of sort of emerging writers as well as really well-established ones like herself and and Benjamin too so that that would be a really good place to go to well, that sounds great. Life in Rhymes and it's on Life Sky Arts, Rhymes, which yeah. is now free for everybody. It Sky is. Arts, which is nice. Oh, it makes such a difference, yeah. It does, aye. Well, what a wonderful thing it has been to talk to you and sort oh, of meet you. <laughs> yeah, a strange introduction, ah, but yeah. still I mean, an we're introduction. We're getting used to that now, aren't we? <laughs> this is almost the more normal way of doing things. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time. And all those tips are great because I'm always fascinated in kind of uh, forms that I don't know much about I'm like tell me how to where do I start because it's hard to know where to start I think oh it is yeah it's good to have a bit of a bit of insight from someone for sure and then you trip into other things and you find things but you need a kind of an in so that's really Mm -hmm. useful and hopefully people that are listening will will find that useful too so yes thank you very much for talking to me Imogen how wonderful an absolute pleasure thank you Imogen Sterling there, what a treat, what a treat, and I've been looking up some of those references that she gave me, very grateful for that. So that was nice to listen back to that, actually. Um, sometimes, you know, if, if we don't do the interview, if we do the interview a wee bit in advance, um, it's kind of cool coming back to it on the day that we put the podcast out, I'm like, oh yeah, that chat. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, um, and I hope that you're, as I say, I hope you're safe and well um, and able to cope somehow with the news of further lockdown um, as we know it's for the best and we just have to hope that our efforts uh, make a difference Um, and we keep our fingers crossed and we wait for our jabs as Janice would say 
So aye, thank you very much for listening to the show. Remember, this is episode 188, which means that there's lots more in the archive, all totally free for you to listen to. And uh, I've got a few tricks up my sleeve. I'm very pleased with some of the guests we've coming up uh, in the next month or so. So keep listening. And if you can afford to, please do go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on donate. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much for being part of my wee journey and stay safe. Cheerio now.